He was a high priest of the highest order. He knew and felt the sins of his people. How many of us have labored in prayer for someone that we love that is lost in sin? How many of us have moved into that high priestly ministry of intercession for the lost? It's the greatest ministry in the world. How many times have mothers and fathers prayed in the night hours for their children who are lost or who are wayward? How many times have they walked the floor and maybe knelt by their bedside as they lay sleeping and prayed for them that God would touch their life? How many times have mothers and fathers waited anxiously by a phone, fearing the worst when their children are away, knowing they are disobedient and away from the Lord? There is a level of intercession, my friend, for the lost that God calls us to, where we pray as Jesus prayed with groanings too deep to be uttered. There have been those who've made light of the prayers for the lost. But let me tell you something, friend. It is those prayers for the lost that have saved many a soul. And I pray that God would raise up intercessors in these last days. That is what brings people off the street into our church. I am not fooled one minute to think that it is my ministry that causes people to get saved. I know that it is the intercessory prayer that is going up before God that is literally bringing people in here. Already they've decided, I need to be saved. All we do is give them the opportunity. So Jesus that night began to intercede. He returns to his disciples, James and John and Peter, and he found them sleeping. Back in Matthew 26. He told them, What could you not watch with me one hour? In verse 40. Watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away again the second time and prayed and said, O my Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thou will be done. Notice the change in the wording of this prayer. O Father, if this cup may not pass away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Jesus now resigns himself to the will of the Father. Complete, unyielding, unreserved obedience to God. Now before you say, I can do that, you better think twice. That's why when I invite people to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, I do it in a very methodical, unemotional way. Some people may think that I ought to involve more emotion in my altar services. Emotion won't keep you saved. There are too many people that in the heat of an emotional experience come to the altar and in a day or two they're right back where they started. I want people to make a conscious decision for God that they will keep because I know there is a cost involved. And I want them to know that. When they make that decision like that, they're going to stand by it. This is the testimony of Scripture. He became obedient even to the death of the cross. If the Father willed it so, then so be it. But you see, that attitude was not new with Jesus Christ. That attitude had characterized his ministry from beginning to end. He said, I do always what the Father wills. I never do anything except what God wants me to do, what God my Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. That was his attitude always, and that should be our attitude. I only want to do what God wants me to do. Complete and total submission to him brings a tremendous blessing. The Father said that this was true. He declared it from heaven with an audible voice. This is my beloved Son in whom 
I am well pleased. Oh, then let me tell you something. I don't care what the world says about me. I don't care if they love me or hate me. I don't care if they accept me or reject me. If I can hear the Father say, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased, I'm happy. Hallelujah. I'm content with that. That's all I need. That's enough. That's what I need. That's all I need.